Today, the Chicken Charge meets financial wizard Lisa Lede Davis. Guaranteed to help all of the chicks keep their finances in check, Davis is an accountant with an edge. As a certified public accountant with over 18 years of industry experience in tax, accounting, finance, and risk management, Lede Davis has knowledge in real estate, professional services, nonprofits, and small to medium-sized businesses. She's also experienced in strategic planning, tax planning, and business consulting. Davis Company, Kennesaw CPA, provides accounting and tax solutions as well as consulting in the greater Atlanta area. Welcome to the Chicken Charge. All-in-One Security CEO Mary Parker celebrates the success of women in the world of business and in life. Mary's own humble beginnings in rural Mississippi led her to become one of the only African-American females running a multi-million dollar security firm. She is definitely the chick in charge. Here now is Mary Parker. Hey folks, my name is Sarah Smith. I am the lucky co-host of the Chick in Charge podcast, and I'm with Mary Parker, who is the chick in charge. She is the CEO of All-in-One Security, the founder of the Mary Parker Foundation, and the author of the Chick in Charge autobiography. Buy the book. Go online, www.thechickencharge.com. Buy the book, it's a great read, and you're gonna learn so much. Many a good lesson from Ms. Mary Parker in her autobiography. Well, Sarah, if I didn't know before today why you you and I <laughs> click so well, it's not one of the reasons because the introduction. Thank hey, you so much for getting that better. wonderful introduction. Pleasure. And thanks for being good. here with us today. We've had so much fun so far, Lisa, yep. and you're going to enjoy the show as well. Thank you, Port, and thank you for being here, our director. Hello. He's our, He's our director. He takes care of everything. So, uh, Sarah, it's great being here. Yes, it is. Uh, Lisa? Hi. And we have had phenomenal guests today, and it doesn't stop yet. We have for you Miss Lisa Lade Davis. Lisa, will you please inter- well, would you please tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> She's the owner of the Kennesaw CPA firm. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, having me. Uh, again, I'm Lisa Lade Davis, owner of Kennesaw CPA. Uh, Kennesaw CPA, though we're based in Kennesaw, we service clients all over the metro Atlanta area, focusing a lot on the small to medium-sized businesses and the solo entrepreneurs. So uh, really focusing on those hands-on owners and giving them the resources and the tools that they need to help them be successful in business. Huge. That is so huge. And, you know, this show is filled with my stories, but I want to share with you the one thing that I find most in my mentoring small businesses is no one wants to know how to use, learn how to use money. They want to make money. Lisa's smiling. No they one don't can see her. She's smiling. They <laughs> to know how to use it once they make it. So talk to us about that and some of the things that small businesses, we're going to start with the small businesses first. Give us some tips on how we can help you. You know, one of the things that we lead with, with what I do with Kennesaw CPA is we lead with education. So we lead with webinars. I do a lot of free education, free webinars through nonprofits, and not just teaching them about money and financial statements, but teaching them about business, the focus, the strategy, the planning, and money goes hand in hand with that. So when you see money as something with a purpose 
and something to utilize for the furtherment of your business, to further your business, to further your plans, your goals, your strategy, it becomes a tool and less something that you need to expend. Oh, that was a perfect answer. And so as a small business owner starting their business, know nothing about accounting. How do you address those individuals and what are some of the tools you provide them? Well, we start off with talking about all the hats that business owners wear. Um, most of the small businesses that I deal with, they those owners, they go into business because there's something they love. There's something that they're passionate about. And what happens is they get into the business and they're wearing all these hats. They're marketing, they're operations, they're accounting, and they find out that, you know, they may only like 25% of that. So what I do is when we talk to people, we, we encourage people to find a team develop that team, whether that's outside contractors, personal friends, uh, relationships that they have, employees, but develop that team of resources so you're not having to be everything to everyone. One of the things we put together is we put together several resources in the last couple of years. One is the taxguide.com. It's a subscription-based service for small businesses. And so for a, a, a budgetable monthly fee, they have access to unlimited consultations during the year, web consultations where they can talk to accountant. They can wow. talk to a CPA. They can have those resources, not after they've made the financial decisions, but when they're making those wow. financial decisions that's going to impact their business. That is so, so smart of you. And valuable. And valuable to those business owners as well. And it, I, I, I'm so excited because I can really, really talk to this point, the, to your profession. Mm -hmm. And when we started out, when I started our company, it didn't matter. The biz, the money didn't matter. I wanted to do my passion. Yes. And I wanted to raise up others to do security because what I learned was it wasn't people like me providing top-level security services. So that was really, really important. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to stay in front of the people, but someone needed to know about the cash flow management and the health of the company. That wasn't me. And sometimes, Lisa, do you find that people really wait until they're in trouble before they grasp that understanding of the importance of it being part of their plan? You know, that is a challenge that we constantly see when we're working with clients is they come to see us at the end of the year. They want to bring all of their uh, bank statements. They want to build financials. And what we tell people is where you really want to start this process is before day one. That's before right. you do the first thing, you want to start it in the budgeting and the planning process. And then one of the things we do with Tax Guide is the first thing we put them on is a accounting software, like a QuickBooks or a Zero, And that's because we want to start with building that budget. We want to start with putting it as part of their strategic plan. And then month by month, we're going to compare their operations to what they plan to see if they're on track, do they need to make modifications. What people don't realize is numbers will tell the story every time. And if it's not telling the same story that your marketing plan is telling or that your strategy is telling, there's a big disconnect in your business. Absolutely. And we need all of them. And you're so on point because we have Facts University. And Facts University yes. is focus, analyze, commit, and strategize. These are the points that we cover. And I'm going to let you know right now what you're doing is part of what we want for Facts University. So you will become a partner. That you've is awesome. Already got your, you've already <laughs> got everything together. Facts University will also serve as a conduit with resources available in every industry. So they can come through that class or go to our website and tap right on. If they're looking for CPA, 
you're going to have three there. So it's going to mm-hmm. be valuable to you. It's going to be valuable to our students. And it's going to be valuable to Fax University. So thank you so much for sharing that. Here's a sweet spot that I want us to talk about. And that is how many businesses really don't understand the differentiation between accounting and taxes. And you said it a few moments ago, the time to plan your tax strategy is before you create the revenue. Yes. And your CPA can direct you based on those directions. You can also use your CPAs for forecasting, for yes. putting together your bids. I learned, I learned, I learned, and guess what? Those are things that we use at our company now. And it's so helpful because if I don't know how that contract is going to impact the cost, especially overhead, of my entire operation, I really haven't used any particular strategies for deciding if I can handle that contract or not. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, there's a couple of things that you talked about. There's the projections, and then there's kind of like the cost estimating when people go out and they bid on jobs and they're looking at uh, at that piece. I'll talk a little bit about cost estimating because I see so many people, they go in and they and they do a bid, and they've, they've done some numbers to come up with that bid, but they weren't exactly strategic in the numbers. Did they take advantage of technology? Did they look for the right resources, the most cost-effective resources? All those things go in. So you can go in and you can win the bid, and you might have a margin of 5%, maybe 10%, but could have had a margin of 10 15 20% if you were just a little bit more strategic in that process. And not that that margin automatically turns into profit, but that could be reinvestment back into your business so you can become a leader in that area versus just responding to bids and estimates and that sort of thing. So I think that's big when small business owners look at that piece of estimating. It's not as simple of I'm going to, you know, delegate that to an, an accountant even or an accountant or someone to just come up with that estimate for my bid or come up with myself, but really make it part of a strategic process. And you're saying this is something that business owners should understand, understand. whether they do it or, or not. not. Absolutely. Yes, Whether they delegate it to the right person, but making sure that those things are taken into account so they can continue to be, because business is not all, all, you know, it's not only being out there in the market and being responsive, um, but it's about being proactive. It's about looking ahead and figuring out where your industry is going and where things are going and making sure you're putting the right tools in place to be responsive to that. And I would like to add here, don't wait until after. Don't wait to learn and have a tax specialist on your team when you've made too much money that you didn't that you didn't keep any of it. That was one of my experiences. One year, we received a contract in November. It was not we it was not a projection, and certainly we didn't know what to do with the money we made. Making that money, and we profited over 600000 But, of course, you know, without a strategy, about three hundred of that was in taxes. That's when I learned the importance of having a tax specialist on your team. You also talked about team building, friends, other consultants. Mm-hmm. We utilized, I utilized consultants for virtually every division that we started because I was the do-all person, but I wasn't an expert. And as we're growing our businesses, we need the expertise from that industry. And that particular 
account that I mentioned that would have cost us nearly 300000 because of the time frame, I was able to get a tax specialist in December, and we were able to utilize, and we saved over 180000 in taxes just because of utilizing a, a, a tax specialist. So it absolutely does work, and it helps the businesses as well. Right, and I think a lot of people don't understand there are many decisions that they make regarding their business that affects their taxes. It starts with the legal structure of your business. The legal structure could have the impact on what your actual tax rate's going to be over the multiple of years that you're going to have your business. Um, there are decisions you can make as far as tax credits, things you can invest in that is going to have impact on your business. So say you have profits of 250000 a year, but you know next year you're going to be investing in equipment. Maybe you're making that investment before the end of the year and you're taking advantage of codes like Section 179 and things like that where you can take that full write-off at the time where your profit is the highest. Wow. Just that tip alone is just – so, I, you know, this should be a call-in show where we could have people calling <laughs> okay. in with their questions. Okay, thank you, because guess what? I was thinking on the way in here, exactly that. Okay, well, we have to Next talk offline. We, we got it. Yep. Yes, yes. I'm ready. Uh, Lisa, I'm excited here. Be, and mainly because I started my education, I wanted to be a CPA. Mm -hmm. But because I'm so people-oriented, I knew that would keep me away from people a lot. But I began to understand numbers – and that's been very, very valuable to us in our business, and especially today. Um, but talk a little bit so the audience will understand how important it is to set their books up to capture the data as they're going on from day to day. Well, for one, um, as the business owner, you need to know how profitable your business is with the effect of the decisions that you're making. And that's why you have to talk to someone during the planning process. You need to know when's that break-even point comes, how much money you're going to need to invest in your business. When is the right time to bring on that first staff person? All those, all those decisions go into the projections that you're doing for the business, not that your actual results are always going to be um, match exactly to your projections, but it's a start. It's where you start with, and that's what we focus on when dealing with small business is making sure that they're doing the budgeting, they're doing the projections, and that they're managing their actual operations to that. And if they have to modify it as they go, because all good businesses, you're going to have to make changes and modifications that they're doing that. But to do it without that, is, it's like operating without a plan. And we see that a lot. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you for that tip. Anything else you want to add, Sarah? Do you have a question at this point or comment? Anything you want to find out? What size business needs this kind of help? You know, it, it really varies. Um, okay. We, the biggest challenges we see in business is the startup phase okay. and the transition phase. So there's the businesses that, you know, when they're just starting, it's a one-man show. Right. Um, they don't have the resources. Uh, they're hesitant to bring in consultants because they're trying to do it sometimes on a shoestring budget. And so that's why we developed some of the products and the programs that we did to encourage right. people to come in during that beginning stage and yep. to engage someone during that process. And then there's the businesses that have been, been in business for a while, and maybe they want to expand. They want to go to the next level, but maybe they haven't been the best at keeping their books um, you know, their, their tax returns may not show the same picture that their uh, projections or their financials are saying. And 
they're struggling with how do I make, how do I get to that next level? How do I convince somebody to give me the funds I need through right. loans right. or invest in my business? Maybe their legal structure is not even correct for investment. Right. And that's the struggle we see with those businesses is that they've been successful, they've done well, they want to get to the next level, but they haven't built the framework and the structure to get there. And a lot of people don't know what to even ask for. So how do you find those people and kind of like reassure them? Well, a lot of what we do is, as I explained before, is through the education and webinars. We partner with a lot of the nonprofit groups that offer free resources to uh, small business owners. We start off, yeah, we do education webinars on the legal structure of their business, uh, the doing the business plans, um, the financial aspect, as well as the tax planning aspect. And we do that kind of all in conjunction with one another to give them that full picture. And a lot of times, you know, people attend the webinar and they may contact me a year later and say, you know, I, t- I attended your webinar a year ago, and now I'm in this place, and, and I need that help. Right. Very, right. very good. Uh, touch a little bit on the type of, what is the best legal structure for building your business to attract investors? You know, to, to attract investors, we see that happening a lot. A lot of people start off with a LLC because it is one of the easiest to start, you know, Um, You can be incorporated, you have the legal protection, but for the IRS standpoint, unless you make any elections, you're mostly a disregarded entity. You're taxed like you're a sole proprietor. However, that's not the best structure when you're looking for someone who may want to invest in stock ownership or finance your business. Uh, A lot of times when you're going, you're moving in that direction, we recommend the C corporation because it has that separation between the owners and the business. And uh, when you're looking at an investor, they're going to want to see that type of separation. Very good answer. Very. So for a startup business, what mm-hmm. do you recommend legal structure? To be? Well, let me rephrase that because it depends on why you're starting the business. Yes. So that would be kind of a difficult one to answer. As the, it, but for the sake of our listeners... What would be your recommended structure for a startup business? You know, we, we talk about a couple things when we sit down with people and we talk about their legal structure. We talk about where they want to be a year from now, five years from now, and 10 years from now. And where they're starting, what type of investment they're putting in their business, what type of investment they're going to need in their business. So a lot of times when you're, t- when you're starting with someone that's maybe just like an independent contractor, um, we sometimes start with a single member LLC. So they have the legal protection because you can be a sole proprietor and not go through a legal structure, but you're now individually responsible for all the legal obligations of your business. So we do recommend having some type of legal structure to make that separation. And you're also personally taking on all the risk. Yes, the liability. And then we remind people, even when you put that legal structure in place, if you don't separate bank accounts, if you sign personal guarantees, things like that, you're still piercing that corporate veil. Yes. You're still making yourself responsible for the legal obligations of the business. So we talk about put a legal structure in place. Sometimes they start off as a single member LLC because they always have the option down the road to make an S election, um, a C election, or some other type of election for tax purposes to change how the, the structure of that business is being taxed. Um, but start there, have the separation, Put the right things in place, the bank accounts separated, um, keep personal and business separate, try if you can not to, to do the personal guarantees when it comes to business debt, 
build up a business credit score for that business that is separate from your personal credit score. So that business at some point in time can go out and get its own funding and financing that's not totally dependent on the owners. On the individual. Love. So what do you say to that that new startup? Starting a business without a job, without reserve, and they expect to get a loan. What do you say from an accounting perspective or CPA's perspective? What do you say to that individual? Well, just just starting, just starting up a business, it's not for the faint of heart. Hello. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> it's not something you say, well, I don't like working for someone else because so I'm going to go and work for myself. No, you're now working for 50 other people or whatever many right. clients that you have. So it's not for the faint of heart to get started. But the more planning that you can do in your business, for one, when you're starting the business from scratch, um, you're probably going to have to make some type of personal investment into that business. So even if you're going to look from investments outside, they want to see that personal investment commitment from you into your business. So, you know, there's your work that you're putting into your business and, and your work effort, but they want to see the, the cash flow, the personal investment into that business to know that you're just at risk as the third party that you're asking to invest in your business. And then there's different resources. Uh, there's lots of nonprofit groups out there that lift funding. Uh, that'll help people that are gets, getting started or if as long as your business have any type of assets, they'll use that as collateral and do some um, decent interest rate loans. There's a lot of um, what I call the quick loans for small businesses where you're on a daily payment or a weekly payment. If you can avoid those, we try to discourage people away from that because it's a cycle. Ah, here's another one. That's a great and one. And I hear businesses using it all the time. I try to explain it. I want them to hear from you about factoring. Factoring, uh, and and by that you're talking about the lending on their receivables. On their receivables, yes. Yes, if you if you're a business, especially if you're in um, in government contracting, and say you've been awarded a contract, um, you can actually get lenders to lend you money on those future receivables as long as you show that you have a solid business structure. You're going to be able to successfully complete that contract, and you've been awarded that contract. Um, you can uh, make arrangements and get funds to, you know, because a lot of times with government contracting, you're not going to get those startup funds to proceed with that contract. And there's resources or people you have to pay and things to get those things done, materials, equipment. So factoring can be the right solution for some businesses that need those kind of resources. Great. This is amazing. What, what a, okay, you, you, when you speak of governmental contracting, is that local, state, and federal? Yes, it could be local, state, and federal. Yes, and I, and I agree one of the ways we've used not necessarily factoring, but a process similar to that mm -hmm. in growing our business because our banker became our business partner. Absolutely. Our banker was our lender. So we get a contract, we'll just use a number million dollars. And we know that we're going to carry that payroll for 60, 90 days. Yes. Without that partnership with our banker, it could at some point cause stress on our cash flow. But with that relationship, it is phenomenal. And the great thing about it is they will, if it's a five-year, two-year, or three-year contract, the loan is based upon the length of the contract, which means you get all of your money, be it 80% or 90%, whatever the agreement, and you can take that money and invest it, and then you pay the difference of what it costs you to use their money back to them. And those are some of the strategies we use, have used and continue to use in growing our company. And, you know, you make a great point about the banker being a partner. 
It's really important when you get started in, the, in, in business, again, establishing those networks and relationships. So sometimes as a small business, sometimes you're starting, you know, maybe you're establishing that relationship with a local credit union versus some of the larger banks uh, that didn't have the resources in place for small businesses. But it's important to establish those banking relationships. Know your banker, work with your banker, have them know your business uh, because you, you don't know how many times that you're going to, you may do your projection, your cash flow, and you're thinking, oh, I, I have the cash in, in place. We're great uh, but there are going to be times where things are going to be unexpected and you're going to need access to those resources so it's important to have that partnership and would you also encourage our listeners to do everything they can um, in terms of making sure that they have their eyes dotted and t's crossed to the tune of perhaps even having a line of credit set yes. up before they need it Absolutely. And it's an important point about your um, your T's crossed and your I's dotted because there's no one that can see through a business plan that's not well done better than a banker. <laughs> so Hello. you want to work with that, that accountant, that marketer, whoever's on your team and put the strongest package together possible before you sit down with the bank. Um, not after, not after they make recommendations, you want to get that strong package before, but yeah, even starting with a small line of credit, if you're a startup business, because that line of credit will grow over time as that relationship grows and as that comfort grows and the business and the business grows. So yes, that's an important part starting with that. Oh gosh. I, I know we're almost out of time here and I love telling stories because many of them are very, very impactful. Yes. When we applied, I think three years I applied for a line of credit. Mm -hmm. early in my business. Couldn't figure out why. The banker knew us. They knew our business. We had great relationships. And we finally submitted for a line of credit, not a loan. And they denied us. I didn't know why. I, I hired a consultant. Dr. Ed Irons was the first African-American to graduate from Harvard with a PhD in finance. He was appointed as commissioner of banking by uh, President Carter. So there wasn't anyone who knew it better. I brought Dr. Ed on and said, I want you to mentor me in this situation as though you're raising another banker. I want to know everything. What are they looking at? So smart. Why mm -hmm. did we not get this line of credit? He looked at it. He says, without going through everything, I'd guess it's with your aging, which meant my aging report, Here, which meant the banker was saying we weren't getting our money in-house in, in time. No. Well, we go back and we look at it. Well, if I remove that particular client from my list, then it won't show how long it's taking us to get our money. Well, if you remove the debt, you've also got to remove the revenue. Yes. Which is now going to change what your company looks like, right? But that was the best investment I ever made. And to think that it was the aging report. So It could be solved by what? A good collection strategy. Yeah. Or an explanation. Yes. If you know that that's going to be a problem, you explain, mm -hmm. this is outstanding 90 days because we're on a pay when paid type of oh, contract. Okay. And once we get the money in, it's a huge lump sum. So we're able. The others are just the accounts that's paying the bills. But that was, for me, one of the greatest eye-opening experiences through my whole transition in learning the financial aspect. Right. So one thing on your on your on your strategy and your plan that you turned in it was that one thing yeah, that we, kept your business from moving forward. That's correct. Everything else was great. Mm -hmm. And so I learned that and so many other things by working with that consultant that I can now share 
with our students. This is great. We've got to go. It's oh. never enough time. <laughs> and I'm so happy to know that you do a lot of work with nonprofits, the Mary Parker Foundation and Fax University, which is one of the programs of the foundation, will indeed be calling on you. All right. Thank you. You are one sharp cookie, <laughs> and I have so appreciated Thanks. this interview. Any closing remarks, Sarah? Heck no. I took a million notes, and I'm okay. going to go through them. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. Well, this was great. We are still having a wonderful time. Please stay tuned. This is Mary Parker, the chick in charge. Subscribe to The Chicken Charge at thechickincharge.com. Get a free download of Mary Parker's Tips for Success, tips that'll make short work of some of today's most challenging issues facing female business owners. Thanks for listening to The Chicken Charge. <laughs>